The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Okay. Well, just for the record, we got the sun in Phoenix, too. 52 to... <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. My name is Charlie Erling, and as always, I'm joined by Mitch Krumpetich. Hello. Hello there, Mitch. This week on the show, we'll be talking about a new addition to the Brooklyn Nets coaching staff alongside Steve Nash. And then after that, we'll just do an off-season update. We've gotten some new news about when the NBA plans to restart and what this off-season going to look like so we'll discuss that a little bit follow us on twitter at sunny and phx pod same thing for instagram go on itunes leave us a five-star review and a comment and you will get a shout out on the show all right amari stoudemire joins the brooklyn nets as a head as an assistant coach under steve nash that's surprising kind of weird who saw that coming i didn't i I don't know what Amari Stoudemire has to offer as an assistant coach, but just the fact that they're kind of getting the gang back together in Brooklyn, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit sad. Um, I think it would be cool to have Nash and Stoudemire still involved with the Suns somehow. I mean, I, I know I said this a while back. I don't want Steve Nash to be our head coach. I'm very happy with Monty Williams. I just kind of wish that, things would have ended better with both of them. Yeah, I can totally get behind that. And, you know, I'm 100% down with Monty Williams. I love him as our head coach. But, I mean, you turn one corner later and then maybe Steve Nash is interested in being our head coach. Maybe Stoudemire comes along. Maybe everybody's happily reunited back in Phoenix. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's fun to think about. But I'm so content with where we are right now. It allows me to enjoy this and and hope that they do well. We were all rooting for the Nets, trying to beat the Blazers at the end of the year, and now we have even more reason to stick around as somewhat Net fans. Yeah, I'm interested to see how I feel about the Nets next season with Kevin Durant coming back healthy. I don't really know where I stand with him at this point because, you know, obviously I wasn't a big fan of him going to the Warriors and that whole situation, but going to the Nets and then getting like having the injury and everything like that, having not played for a year, I don't know what I'm going to think about him once, once he starts playing again. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming he's still going to be a solid player. I wonder if he lost a step though, you know, an injury like that to an Achilles plus getting up there in age a little bit, but still he's seven feet tall and smooth as butter. So it's, you know, it's going to be, it'll be interesting. And then he's got to fit in with Kyrie Irving. That's been a challenge for some players in the past. How's it going to go with these two superstars? Yeah, it will be interesting. And, you know, we were just talking about this off mic here, but, you know, Kyrie has said he doesn't really see Steve Nash as the head coach. 
he sees it more as a collaborative effort where he or KD could be head coaches themselves. So I don't know how that's going to work. Yeah. I don't know why you would go and test your new head coach like that. And these guys played in the league at the same time together. They competed against each other. They probably know each other pretty well. And then you go and say something like that just to alienate your new coach. That that seems pretty interesting. And yeah, Kyrie has a solid basketball mind. So does Kevin Durant. But are are they coach material? Who knows? Yeah, they put in their they put in their two cents while they're on the floor and maybe drop a play here and there. Obviously, they know hoops, but it's a pretty big difference. And here's another thing: Steve Nash has never really been a head coach. Or an assistant coach, for that matter. He did a little player development, but this is a brand new ball game. Right. Yeah, it definitely is. And with Stoudemire coming in, Stoudemire has never coached either. When I first saw the news that he was joining Steve Nash's coaching staff, I thought he was going to join the Nets as a player <laughs> because he had been trying for the past couple of years to come back, maybe to the Suns even, to try to play in the NBA again. And now I guess he's given up on that and is focusing on coaching, but I don't know what that's going to look like. Yeah, I don't know exactly what Amari brings to the table as a coach. And as a player, if you look back at what he did, he was an expert at running the role of the pick and roll. We can get behind that. Never an incredible defender by any means. Solid at times, but nothing too special. But I mean... Guys who have a decade-plus experience in the NBA, they can definitely impart a lot of knowledge onto those young guys on the team. So maybe it's who knows what his role will actually be in practice or if he is doing player development stuff, actually. We don't know anything about that. But, I mean, just happy that the gang's kind of getting back together. It's it's just a cool story. Yeah, it is a cool story. And I do think it makes the Nets easier to root for, for sure. It's kind of like, um, I, I wouldn't say I was a big Rockets fan or anything, but I wanted Mike D'Antoni to succeed, you know, maybe along those lines, probably more so because I'm definitely more attached to Nash and Stoudemire than D'Antoni, but definitely wanting them to succeed. That'll be fun next season if fans are allowed into games that first time the Nets come to Phoenix and... Seeing that the seeing the ovation that Steve Nash will get, and then hopefully there's a little shout out for Amari too. That would be a fun fun experience, and I I hope that's something we get to see next year. But we'll have to we'll have to see. Yeah, we don't know yet. We don't know a lot about the world at this point. <laughs> right, things are pretty wild. And on that note, let's get into the off season updates that we've been hearing a little bit about lately. And this is. This is almost astonishing. They're trying to start the season before Christmas. And as much as I love watching basketball and I'm ready to watch 72 Suns games, is what they think there will be in the regular season, I'm ready for that. But is everybody going to be ready for that? This seems like it's really pushing it. It does. Uh, I, I think the goal of this is to get back to as much of a normal schedule as possible. I mean, the bubble and the shutdown and everything threw the schedule way off. I mean, we've never seen basketball in September and August 
even July before, aside from summer league, you know, so trying to get back to as much of a normal schedule as possible. My concern with it though, is injuries, especially if we look at the NFL, there have been so many injuries in the NFL this season because there was no preseason. They didn't have as much time to prepare. It did feel pretty rushed. They're still really struggling with, with COVID woes, you know, with teams who have guys testing positive. The Titans had a big issue with it. I know the Steelers were affected. The Patriots were affected. The Broncos were affected. I know there's other teams out there that have been affected by it. So um, that worries me. And then injuries, definitely, on the court. I feel like that's that's a higher risk, definitely. Yeah, and man, it's just so crazy to look at this because – if we if we say the NBA is going to start on Christmas Day, it might be the 23rd is what we saw, but we don't know the concrete date yet. But if you go from the day after the draft until Christmas, that's 37 days. In a typical off season, you have two months between the championship and training camp, so that's 23-ish more days just to get through that stuff. But then. We have 37 days to do everything in free agency, sign undrafted free agents, decide on team options, player options, all that stuff, and trades too. Those will be happening as well. 37 days to do that with a training camp, and I don't know if they've said anything about preseason yet. Is there going to be a preseason, or are we going to hop into a potential 72-game season right off the bat on right around Christmas? Yeah, I don't know. Well, and think about this, too. 37 days between the draft and Christmas. The draft is three weeks from from now, about three weeks from now. So are we just going to have our new guys just come right in and just start training camp immediately? Like, how is that going to work? I don't know. And Especially if there's a preseason. That's Yeah, that's it's crazy. And think about teams who... Have a half their rosters are free agents this offseason, like the the Pistons. They have a lot of positions to fill, I believe. How how are you going to do that in this time? Plus, be able to get your team on the same page at all before we head into the season. It seems like, and, and I'm appreciative that they're trying to get things back on track as soon as possible and get basketball going back to a, a normal status. So next year we'll be a hundred percent back to normal. I love that, but I'm just, I'm worried that it's getting rushed. Yeah. I'm a little worried about it too. At the same time, we have to look at the state of the world. You know, Um, I've seen some articles. I mean, there's articles on both sides of this, but I've seen some saying a vaccine could be available by the end of the year or even sooner than that. And the average person may be able to get vaccinated by March or April or so, uh, if not before. So I'm like, well, that sounds pretty encouraging. I see other things that say a vaccine is going to take two years. We're going to be doing masking and distancing, and we're not going to be going to stuff like this for two years. I imagine there's a gray area somewhere in between those two that's realistic, but I'm not an expert. I don't know. I don't really know who knows this stuff. So it's tough to make these decisions. On a tweet from Woj, he said that around three quarters of the teams or over half the teams in the league 
their jurisdictions have some sort of ban against large gatherings of people. So even if the season does start on Christmas, that doesn't mean that we'll be able to fill up the stands at every arena. And then with that, there was a decision that was made where if we're not going to be able to get fans in there until who knows when, we might as well just start without fans. I think that's the way it's going to at least start. And I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure in Phoenix we could all pile in there if we wanted to right now. Right? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. I don't think we could fill the whole arena, but I look at what what football's doing and some fans are allowed. I'm actually not sure about Arizona if people have been going to Cardinals games. I think so, but it's limited. I know in in places with outdoor arenas, I saw in Tampa, for instance, they had a, quite a few people there. Um, I know other teams have been doing like just friends and family of the players and coaches. Uh, they have to be way spread out and everything, but those those stadiums are outside. So I don't really know how it would work for basketball with all indoor arenas. Yeah, it, it, that's an interesting thing. And then another thing that goes in line with this and maybe a compacted schedule we're starting early. There's a little talk about playing something similar to a baseball series where, say, the, the Suns fly to New York, they play the Knicks, and then they'll play the Nets in Brooklyn, and then maybe a team like Boston, you know, stick in the same area before returning home for a little homestand. I think they're trying to push something like that this year, which makes all the sense in the world. It's probably It probably should have been happening like this for years and years, but... That should clean things up a little bit and save some travel, you know, the the risk of traveling plus the time of traveling. I think that's going to be a home run. Yeah, I actually, I think that would be smart. I could see doing something like you play the Knicks one night, you play the Nets another, you play the Celtics another, and then you go back. Maybe you play the Knicks and Nets again. Yeah. You know, get those... Eastern Conference teams that you're only going to play twice or maybe even once a year. Get those out of the way all in one chunk. So you do like a Northeastern New England area type run. And then you come back and you have a bunch of teams from, I don't know, California, let's say, come to you. And then you go maybe play Orlando, Miami, and the Hawks or something like that. Do five, six games out there, come back. I could see that working well. Yeah, and it seems like if you just want to look at it regionally, it seems like a lot of teams clump in together. Um, you know, Arizona and California, you might have to throw the Trailblazers in with that, do the entire West Coast. Yeah. But then the Texas teams and the Thunder, the Florida teams and the Hawks, maybe the Pelicans, the Northeast teams, that would make a lot of sense. But then again, scheduling 72 games for 30 teams and trying to keep it tight like that, I'm sure that's a pain. I I don't yeah. want to know the formula that gets run to figure out how that Right. Goes. I wonder if it would be like baseball, though, where, you know, the, D, the D-backs played mostly just NL West teams. Mostly teams in the West, so NL and AL West. But maybe that's something. Maybe we see the Lakers, Clippers, Kings, Nuggets... Blazers, maybe we see those kind of teams more than we normally would, and we don't play the Knicks, Nets, Celtics, Heat, 
Pacers, whatever. We don't play them as much as we normally would. Yeah, this is crazy. And you can't even compare this to a lockdown season because there wasn't a pandemic during the lockdown season. You know, we're worried about traveling now and, you know, and then selling tickets, filling arenas, making money, uh, TV deals. We we know that the Fox regional sports, uh, all of those networks have been taking off a lot of streaming TV options right now. So there's just so many things up in the air. Hopefully all that comes back and we get somewhat of a normal season where everybody can enjoy a game, but we'll see. Yeah. I mean, we're going to have to continue to adapt. I'm happy with what Adam Silver has done thus far with the response. So we're just going to have to see. 100%. And one thing, let's kind of tie up this whole deal. If we're going to be flying through an offseason, what would you like the Suns to do? Are, are you under the impression that maybe now is the time to shake things up since this is a weird season? Or are you feeling confident we should keep as many guys as we can and hopefully build on the bubble and bring it right into the season? It's a good question because I can really see both sides. I'm not quite sure what I want yet. Um, I think that this may be a good time to try to sign some free agents because we probably won't have to pay them as much as we typically would. The salary cap may be a bit lower. We don't know yet. Guys might be willing to take whatever they can get rather than holding out to get more money. So it might be a good time to go and try to sign some free agents that we wouldn't normally. At the same time, these guys might say, you know what, I'm staying with my team. I'll take a smaller deal to not have to leave just so I have some guaranteed money. Uh, And then we do have a lot of success to build off of from the bubble. If we re-signed, let's say we were able to somehow re-sign Baines, Dario, and Frank Kaminsky. That'd probably be okay. I wouldn't be opposed to that because, yeah, I think that momentum from the bubble, that's real. Uh, These guys were really gelling together, and I really point at Sarich when it comes to that. I think he was the a big part of that bubble performance, but I do like the idea of keeping everybody together. But then we have to remember that all we'll be able to do during the off season is throw out a MLE. So we'll be able to get a, a decent veteran player at that point. But I don't know. On the other side, if you uh, renounce Baines, Sarich, Kaminsky, or don't pick up Kaminsky's team option, and you, you let go of everybody you have an option on, we can clear up, I think it's between 16 and $18 million in salary cap space, which would potentially put us at the in the top six for teams with cap space heading into the offseason. So we'd be able to sign a decent... Well, we'd be able to offer a nice contract to a guy like maybe Gallinari, Christian Wood... Jeremy Grant, those guys maybe, we could all, yeah, like it. Trevor Ariza, maybe. There we go. You know, a one year, <laughs> empty out the coffers, fifteen million dollars. Just hope that he turns around the culture of the team. And you know, he worked so hard while he was here. He was such yeah. an inspiration to everybody. And man, those weeks of te- Trevor Ariza, oh, I won't, I wouldn't trade I'll him for anything. I wouldn't trade him for anything but Kelly Oubre. Ryan Anderson, maybe. 
remember that remember that first game where Ariza and Anderson both went off and we were so excited and then they just didn't do oh. anything from there on out that felt like magic it really did <laughs> I remember saying Ryan Anderson still has it he's still got it oh was I wrong oh. he made like 75 percent of his threes on the season in that opening game and that was about it yeah I yeah, yeah, that was tough. Gotten, I'm so glad we're past that, though. We're, yeah, we're but you're right. well past that. Oh, yeah. You're totally right, though. A guy like Jeremy Grant or Gallinari or any Wood. of those. Yeah, Christian Wood. Any of those, like, decent, maybe a little more than decent. Gallinari's good. They're all good players. Yeah, that's that's enticing. I Realistically, I don't think we're going to keep Baines. I don't think we'll be able to pay Baines what someone else will. Um, I would love to keep him, but he was too good. He was too good last year, and I think someone will offer him more. And why would you not take more money at this point when so much is not guaranteed? Yeah, that's that's true. It, it will be interesting to see who wants to pay Baines, though, because we talked about this last week. Is he a starter? Is no. he? I, I, don't, I don't think so, but... But if Christian Wood leaves Detroit, maybe Baines makes his triumphant return. I wouldn't be mad at that. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, no, it's it's tough. And then I think about, too, we only have one draft pick. Not that our second round draft picks have all been hits in the past few years or ever, really. <laughs> but we have one draft pick and we might even trade it. So... Max, we're probably just getting one guy, unless we really, really, really like two of them, but I highly doubt it. At the very most, we're probably just going to add one rookie this year. So I think I, saw, I think it was Evan Sidery tweeted something like he he wouldn't be shocked if he saw the Suns pull another move similar to the Dario trade last year during the draft. Trade right. back a little bit, get a vet. We've talked about that too. And mm-hmm. In our position, I would not be opposed to that. If we can bring in a vet to fill one of our spots of needs, plus still get a guy we like in the draft, that would be perfect. Yes, it definitely would. I, I think that's ideal. That's what I want to happen. But, yeah, who knows? A uh, lot of uncertainty here. But we are going to move on to the non-sports section of the show at this point. So early on in the quarantine period this Tiger King show was going around. I never watched it, so I don't really know what it's all about. I didn't, it didn't seem interesting to me, but it feels like the hype around that was five years ago at this point. Wow. But our question is if you could own one exotic pet, what would it be? Hmm. I, I have to go wolf and I'm, I'm not one of those weird wolf guys. Like I don't have the, three wolf heads hobbling at the moon t-shirt. I don't go that far. I don't have any posters. It's not to that extent. But I've owned a couple Siberian Huskies as a dog owner, and I love them. And they look similar to the wolf. And I, I just think they're so pretty. And as well as, like, giant wolves, when they get tall and they have those big, long legs, I think those just look so neat. And I don't think I'd be able to contain or handle one unless I had a and like a nice cage system in my backyard for it but I would I would just love it letting the howls go at night too 
Like huskies do do a little howling every once in a while, but a true wolf howl, that's it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I hear the coyotes every once in a while, and yeah, I, that's pretty cool. Um, this is an easy one for me. I would say a penguin. I love penguins. Um, I don't have a poster of a penguin, but I do have a coaster with Ooh, penguins on it. Nice. Yeah, I do. So uh, I love them. I think they're the greatest animals. I love how they just slide around and look all formal all the time. Um, I know that the uh, the climate here would be difficult, but I tend to keep it pretty cold at my place. I've been told that yeah. it's uh, very cold, so I could I could even tick it down a couple degrees for the sake of having a penguin. I would uh, probably come visit your place more if you had a penguin there. Yeah, I'd I feel like the bathtub with ice. Yeah. I'd do that. Yeah. It'd be cool. So. Where, I, I, you've talked about penguins before. I know you like penguins, but yeah. where did it start? What, is I, it just I don't uh, know. as a kid you liked penguins and you still do now? That's pretty much it, yeah. Cool. I don't have a great story of behind it or anything. I just always thought they were cool. I had a trapper keeper with a penguin on it in elementary school. Nice. Yeah. You know what? I'm thinking back now. I remember... Cheyenne, Wyoming, uh, Little America Hotel. Those are all in like the Midwest. Have you been to like Little America before? Yo, I stayed at one in yeah. around Flagstaff, I think. Oh, okay. So they're all over then. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, just this hotel chain. I always thought it was a Wyoming thing, but I guess not. Um, they had this big like emperor penguin, like taxidermied. And I'm sure I saw that as a kid and thought it was cool. Maybe yeah. that's where it comes from. I don't know. How tall does an emperor penguin get? Do I don't you know. know. I, Your fandom's not that deep. It's, it's not that deep, no. <laughs> it's maybe like five feet. I don't know. Whoa. Yeah. I think they get pretty, like the, the big ones get pretty big. We might need to fact check right now. Yeah, Keep talking I mean, about penguins. Okay. I'll look this up. Yeah. We'll let uh, our moderator over here fact check how tall an emperor penguin can Whoa. get. Can get up to 4.3 feet. You were pretty close. Oh, okay. Close. Yeah. That's a tall boy. Yeah, they can be pretty tall. I, I just, I like them. I like the way that they handle themselves. They don't seem too aggressive or anything. Uh, March of the Penguins, I recommend it. Saw that in the theaters back when it came out. Um, pretty interesting. So, yeah, I would own one. Can't think of a better time to end the show right here. So thank you guys for tuning in to the Sunny and Phoenix podcast. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Sunny and PHX pod. We'll be back with another episode next week. Thanks for tuning in. Go Sun. You better not let him in Little old lady got mutilated late last night Werewolves of London again